people we're in we're in a little we're in a level outside of my depth to a point folks that i'm outside of my depth in a way that i'm messing things up that are the simplest things because this is what happens when you swim in the deep waters with the smart people that said the deep waters have the smart people at some point they had to go to school with us common folk that being me and they somehow stick around and like me every once in a while and that's just how it is so we're doing things a little different we're gonna talk about the movie you chose. I'm gonna change up the process a little bit here, but we're still gonna be good. But that said, ladies and gentlemen, the doctor herself, <laughs> the doc is in the house. She is doing some amazing stuff. We're gonna talk all about it. Dr. Joy, how are you? I'm good. Please don't expect me to save your life. Well, I, I, that's the thing about the doctor. What are you talking about? You know Jesus. Who says well, that? Well, yeah, I can, I can share Jesus with you. But if you need medical attention, you better find a different doctor. It'll be better than me, that's for sure. Don't you worry about a thing. It's going to be all good. So the movie you picked was The Breakfast Club. Now, what, what about yes. The Breakfast Club resonates with you? What is it that, that resonates with you? Uh... Well, I'm a I'm a John Hughes fan. So okay. name the John Hughes movie, and I I put most of them on on my list. So it, it um, I'm a child of the '80s. I came of age in the early '90s. Um, now, I mean, you know a little bit more about my background, Jason, than sure. than, than your your watchers and listeners will. But I, I grew up in the holiness tradition of the Pentecostal movement, so we weren't really allowed to watch a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. So I got to watch, I, I watched these things later in my life and grew to love them later in my life. Um, but I, I think, you know, a lot of it is we've all had that high school experience, right? And, and of course, it's the end of the movie that is the best part of the movie. So I won't get to that. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's those personality traits of each of the members of the club who represent each of us um, each one of us has one of them inside of us and all of them inside of us. And, and so I think that's the, the heart of it. Um, I think it's I'm a fascinating of them. film, right? I mean, I think it's, I think it's a fascinating, yes. beautiful film. And, and if, you know, I hope this is a movie, I, I think it's one of those movies that every kid, especially these days should watch and they should not remake. And what I mean by that is, is that to your point, yes. everyone's different. Everyone is themselves, but they're also, they're not trying to make the others be them. Right. Right. That's so right. That's right. You've got this acceptance 
of an understanding of uniqueness while at the same time an acceptance and understanding of, of that you're lost as a person right? right so real quick before we get any farther down this you're a doctor you don't save lives tell people a little bit about you know what you do the books you've written where they can find sure. them let's give the rundown sure. real quick before we get yeah. down <laughs> I had to wait 45 minutes to find out who she was. And then I Googled it and then I stopped and I still haven't been back to the same episode. Steps in, I'll have you melt when people. Wow. So I am an associate professor of communication studies at Biola University, which is a small private institution in Los Angeles County, just outside of the city of Los Angeles. Um, I also serve as an associate dean. So I'm in budget season. Um, but my background is in uh, what we call rhetoric, which is just how we talk about things and the ways that we talk about things in order to persuade people. Uh, my emphasis in my research is in religious and political rhetoric and the intersections between the two. Huh? Hold on. The, the religion uh, but and I did politics? my dissertation. Religion and politics? Right. They... Hey, listen, it's good work right now if you can get it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> good work right now. If you can mm -hmm. get it. Um, remember, I said I was a child of the 80s. I came yeah. of age in the moral majority and, and that decision of the church to, uh, to acquiesce its power to the political. And, uh, and so yes. it's fun. It's fun to see how we're reaping, reaping what we've sown. <laughs> um, but I did my dissertation on the role of gender in the church. I didn't uh, intend to become a gender scholar, but um, that's probably what I'm most known for. I wrote a book called God Forgive Us for Being Women, uh, which is all about my faith tradition, the Pentecostal tradition, the role of women and how we talk about those things. Okay. Um, it can be found on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places you buy books. Um, but if you go to my website, joyqualls.com, um, I can get it to you for slightly cheaper than Amazon can. I just can't guarantee two day shipping. So um, sells for about $29 on Amazon, but I'll sell it to you for 25. And I'll sign it. So you just have to hey. check there. Yeah, there's. The I benefit. like it. So, uh, so Joy, real quick, and I, I interrupt a lot. Sure. Please do not be hesitate to interrupt That's me. Okay. Uh, in looking at this, you know, especially in gender and where things are changing and where they're at, and your studies, and and even just taking a step back from, let's just say, religion and into society, and and where all of a sudden gender is very fluid now it's like i can mm -hmm. decide that i want to be female or what mm -hmm. how especially at a university where it seems people are um uh a little more socially aware of how you know or, or uh, cautious how do you manage that with your students how do you manage these conversations that quite honestly pastors since the beginning of time have stumbled on right teachers yeah. stumble on them parents stumble on it heaven forbid you know the all professional news media stumbles upon it so how do you navigate the waters yourself it's difficult and it's only getting harder um, to navigate because again the language that we use surrounding these labels and identities um, are only getting more complex um, so i go back to the beginning i go back to genesis where um the, the scripture says that God created uh, them, right? That, that, and God is not a singular entity. God is a triune entity. So we created them in our image 
male and female, God created them. Um, I think the challenge that we have in the language that we use is that we have decided that men have to be this and women have to be this. And so when people don't fit into those boxes, then we have confusion that is created about, well, if I'm a biological female, but I don't identify in the ways that the world thinks that a biological female should identify, maybe perhaps I'm not actually a woman. Um, and, and I think we've created a lot of confusion amongst people by how we have insisted that um, men and women um, fit into these binary boxes when, so, so I would say, I don't, I don't know that I buy into the notion that gender is fluid. I think mm -hmm. what I would say is that the way we express ourselves is where that fluidity exists. And, and there needs to be more okayness in that expression, um, as opposed to um, attempting to become something else in order that, that people will recognize who we are. Does that make sense? I like that. No, that, that, that actually does make sense. I mean, it's, it, it comes back down to a fundamental flaw that, that we have struggled and gone through, which is, you know, and, and the, and the English language just, it's, it's just, it's amazing, right? We're the, we're the country of free speech and we have the worst language for free speech. We really do have the worst language. <laughs> it's like, you know, you nearly know, every other language on, what I was going to say is nearly every other language on the planet has male and female um, pronunciations for things. So you yeah. can, you can, you can adjust language depending on the, the emphasis that you want to play. We don't have any of that. No. And think about, just think about simple things, right? C, is it a letter? Right. Right. Did I see something with my eyes? Right. Is it the water I'm going to go swim in? You know, am I, am I really bad at Spanish? You know, it's, I mean, there's just, it's, it's such a weird thing. And then you add in all this freedom and you add in freedom of expression and the freedom of mind and the freedom of religion. And then you start looking at the interpretation and who interpreted those religions and what language was it interpreted in, interpreted in. And if it was interpreted in, in one of, you know, a, a male dominated language, King James version. Uh, and then it's also basically the Bible for dummies, right? He's like, I want everyone to be able to read. I mean, it's like a crazy Southerner. I want everyone to read this. Get me my crayons. You know, <laughs> that word's too big. Make it That's smaller. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you tell me that it's a plain reading of scripture, I probably am going to, I'm probably going to push back on you because there's no such thing as a, as a plain reading. Give a little pan, a little, yeah, a pass. Yeah, but it's true. Right. So when you take all, all of those things into account, and everyone's like, man, that's a broad brush of stuff. It is, but it's not because it still comes back down to language communication and understanding. That's right. And we give all this freedom and we don't back any of it up with education. And, right. you know, right. look at just, that's I mean. Right. And, we, and we create more confusion. Exactly, exactly. And then we create nothing but confusion. And I, you know, I, I'll ask you, you get these kids coming in how many of them, is it a lack of education and how many are truly confused? Right, right, right. Well, and, and what is um, legit things like dysphoria and dysmorphia, which are, which are legitimate challenges that people face and, and what is uh, um, 
just that search for who we are, right? Mm -hmm. Which comes back to a little bit of the theme of the movie that we're talking about. You have each of these characters, these personalities, but were their identities put upon them or were their identities that they had embraced for themselves? And what they come to find out at the end is, is that it's not about the clothes that they wear or the way that they talk or um, what's expected of them, but that they're each one of them is um, feeling lost. Each one of them is feeling misunderstood. Each one of them feels as if the pressure from the outside is too much because that's what it means to be a young person who is learning and growing and coming into their own, their, their brains, our brains don't fully develop until we're 25 years old. And, and so this idea that a kid is supposed to understand what it means to be, um, you know, even fully human, goodness sake, we're old friend. And I still don't know what it means <laughs> to be that all the time, you know, but, but that we put this upon them, you know, the worst question we ask young people is what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. Gross. What do you want to be. you know i don't know i i still what don't know what i want to be what, what when did I you did up. you have a dream job when you were a kid because mine's horrible mine is like it's just <laughs> joy I so here's here's my this is all i wanted to do when i when i was a kid and someone i'd think about like my dream job what i wanted to do i wanted a riding lawnmower and i wanted to mow the sides of the highways in montana so that i could get my mowing in and get That's paid awesome. for it and I could wave at yes. people as they drove past yes. me. Because you know what you need on the highway when it's lonely? You need a nice wave. You need a mighty fine, how do you do, sir? That That's was my exactly dream right. job. Especially on those, the, those <laughs> long Montana highways. That's what you need. That's <laughs> legit right there. That's a So good. I'm so glad that you went first because now I can tell you what I wanted to be without, um, without any embarrassment. So Great. I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a waitress. I, which I got to be from the time I was in first grade until eighth grade because my parents ran a restaurant. Nice. So I actually got to achieve that at a very young prodigy like age. Let me tell you what hunters at four o'clock in the morning will pay an eight year old child um, to do who brings them breakfast, right? Like they will yeah. throw all of the dollars on the table because this child <laughs> served them breakfast at four o'clock in the morning, right? It was the 80s it was it was another time yeah um but then i also because i could never only have one job so mm -hmm. i was going to be a waitress but i was also going to be a real estate agent for both the century 21 and the era because those were the two companies where i grew up and i liked both of their signs and so i was going to be a i didn't know what it meant to be a real estate agent didn't know what that entailed but i was going to wait tables and on the side sell houses so i like that the the more profitable venture was on the side like, yeah, I want to be bogged down with That's money. Right. But what did I know? <laughs> exactly. It's just like, I don't know. It seems legit. I was the richest eight-year-old around because I got tips for the oh, for the right. work that I did. <laughs> what, you know, gr growing up, uh, you know, as we're watching a movie about kids growing up, and, and they are kids. Uh, they're in high school, though. But you uh, you grew up in, uh, in the North Midwest, uh, in the Dakotas. One, what was that like? And the then Dakotas. if you can't, and if you can tell people also that first time coming to California, like uh, that, that shock, or maybe <laughs> not that shock, maybe that just overwhelming joy of like, oh, we're not in Kansas. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. Bless the Lord. Um, so I grew up 
six miles from the Canadian border, 45 miles from the Montana border. It is not the end of the world, but you can in fact see it from there. Uh, I grew up in Divide County, Crosby, North Dakota. Um, the county seat, uh, my hometown was about 1500 people when I grew up there. Uh, I, uh, the church I attended, only five families in the whole church weren't blood related to me. Um, my grandfather was one of six. Each one of those six had multiple children. Many of them still lived in my hometown. So, um, so we, we grew up very much in a family um, environment, uh, a community that I didn't appreciate until much later um, in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, everything you hear about small towns, totally true, like everybody and everybody's business. Um, but at the end of the day, because they're all in each other's business, they also love and care for one another in a, in a really, um, amazing, tremendous way. But I was restless. I was a wanderer. I wanted the bright lights of the big city. Um, I think deep down, I can say this now as an adult, I don't know that I had the capacity to articulate this then, but I I think, um, what I knew deep down is that I didn't want to be my mom because I perceived her as being stuck. Um, she was divorced when she didn't want to be divorced. She did not have an education. Um, so she felt like she could never go beyond this place because, and it wasn't about the place. It's just the place was safe. She could have jobs. She could raise her family. She didn't have to um, worry about us, you know, um, getting picked up in the park by a stranger or whatever. I mean, it just was all of those things. And I loathed what I perceived was stuckness. Um, And I've been a bit of a vagabond as an adult, like every five years or so I start to get itchy. You know, we've, we've been in California six years now and I'm like, Hmm, I wonder what the next thing's going to be and where are we going to go and what's going to happen? Cause this kind of rootedness um, feels a lot to me, but I thought now I didn't have a culture shock when I came to California for the first time. I'll never forget getting picked up by my admissions counselor to come and spend a weekend at what is now Vanguard University. And I flew into mm-hmm. John Wayne airport and I thought this is the promised land. Now I will tell you, they lied to us because they said that the university was within walking distance to the beach. Now you can walk the 55 freeway to the beach if you'd like to take your life in your hands. Yeah. Um, but but it was not walking distance to the, to the beach. So um, I've, I've given the administration a hard time about that in, in later years, but, but no, I actually, I fell in love with it immediately because I thought um, this is it. This is, this is freedom. And yet I didn't have a car. I was a total um, financial aid kid, you know, so I didn't have kind of the same experience that perhaps some of our colleagues did, but, but what I found there was, you know, was, was the portals to all of this other stuff, um, mm-hmm. you know, that I perceived that I needed in, in my life at the time. It's interesting when you talk about your mom and not being stuck, and then you reflect back to your dream job, because you had that too. You know, and it seems like then the, in some of the, it's the little memories you shared, right? It's like, your mom's always on the wrong side of the yin and the yang, right? She's just, there's, it's like, I don't want to be right. this, and I'm here. Ooh, if I had the education, but I, you know, it's just, it's, it was always, and then you think about your jobs and your dream jobs and what you want to do is it's ensuring you're not going to get stuck. Right. right. It's like, if people don't want to eat, they still have to go rest their head somewhere. Like they're sleeping or eating. Right. 
their butts are right. in one of two places. Their butts are in a restaurant or their butts are at home, right? Or their butts are at work. Let's give them three places. You've yeah, covered right. two of the three places with, yeah, with, with, right. with desire. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Uh, absolutely. Very interesting. It's, it's funny you say that without letting you get, get too much into a therapy session. Um, I'll pay <laughs> you later for, for your advice, uh, Dr. Jepson. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, eventually when I found myself moving towards a, a role on Capitol Hill, it's because the one person who I saw attempt to rescue my mom from her own stuckness was a United States Senator who ended up saving her house wow. um, from foreclosure because he stepped in and helped renegotiate her loan with the FHA when nobody else did that, right? And I would eventually go, go to work for that senator um, because I saw then politics, I saw government mm -hmm. as the way to get out. So you're, you're, you're a unique case, Joy, because you touch religion and politics, two of the three most polarizing things uh, on planet <laughs> Earth. You know, throw sex in the mix and, and we've, got, we've got the bases covered. How, how do you manage knowing what you know about politics, yet still have faith in politics, knowing what you know about religion and still have faith. How do you do that? Because mm. people who listen to this podcast know I believe in God. They know how much I struggle. And you know as well, we've talked. We, I mean, I, my pastor mm -hmm. friends know it to ad nauseum. They're like, okay, we get it, Jay. We're not mm -hmm. perfect. I'm like, yeah, but guess what? Right. Guess who don't get to take days off? Pastors don't. Airplane pilots don't, brain surgeons don't, heart surgeons, they don't get a day off. They don't get an oops day. Yet pastors take a lot of fucking oops right. days. <laughs> mm -hmm. So so how do you know what you know so, and still have faith in things? How do you know what you know and still have faith in the system? Yeah. Well, institutions <laughs> are made up of people okay. um, and people are flawed and sinful and um, and in desperate need of a savior. And so I stay because I still believe there's something valuable in our systems, our institutions and our communities. Um, and what I see is when people walk away, they're attempting to form those same things in just some other space. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that our institutions are worthy of redemption because I think people are worthy of redemption. And so I don't have any perceptions that I'm Superman or Superwoman who can come in and, and save these things. It's not that. It's that I also believe that somebody has to be there to pick up the pieces and hold people when it all falls apart. And if we all walk away, um, who's gonna be there when the walls come tumbling down? And, um, and I still believe those things are worth saving. Sometimes the walls need to crumble. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things do need to fall down. I am all for revolution. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I'm an American girl who believes in revolution. But we didn't just engage in revolution as a, as a, a set of colonies and then say, what now? We engaged in revolution and we attempted to build something better. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
that's a bit of the journey the church is walking through right now. And by the way, the church has gone through this lots and lots because the church goes way back beyond all of these things where um, it's time for a reformation, right? Like, come on, Jay, let's get our, you know, pens out and let's start constructing our 95 thesis to, you know, to hammer to the wall. I'm all for reformation. I'm all for revolution, but I don't want to just burn the house down because that leaves me homeless. I want to also build something better. Better. Does, does, does that have a stronger fire because you have kids? Uh, perhaps. Perhaps I want to leave the world to be a better place for them. I, I mean, I, I suppose if I didn't have kids, I would think about my nieces, you know, and my nephew too. Mm-hmm. I, maybe that's just that next generation of that legacy, but But when I think about what my people sacrificed, right, my family, people in my tradition, you know, so I love to tell one of the stories I tell in my book is about this firebrand preacher lady at the turn of the last century who confronted the KKK in Mississippi and she took on mob bosses in Chicago, like no church ever endorsed her work, right, like they just refused to accept her, but she didn't care, She she had a mission, she had a vision for what she was supposed to do. She fought for her right to do those things. But at the end of the day, she didn't wait for them to give her a piece of paper that said she could do those things. She still went about doing them while she was attempting to advocate for her right to do them, right? And and so what I want is to not have to fight those same battles over and over and over again. But I want the courage to confront the dang KKK, right? Like, like yeah. am I willing, what, whatever the KKK is in my world today, right? Like, am I willing to go take those things on in the name of Jesus? Um, because w- what, what they're doing to the name of Jesus is, is an aberration and is an abomination. And I'm not willing to stand by and wait for somebody else to give me permission to take those things on. I think one of the challenges is some of those things we're taking on are in our own house and we've let them fester for, for far too long. Yeah. I mean, a lot's in our own house. Right. And it's just, it's, it's always, and, you know, I, I have a hard time with, I don't have a hard time with faith. I have a hard time with the rules of religion because I just don't know which ones are accurate. Right. Because right. I don't, you know, someone read the Bible. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. You know, I, I always, I make this as a joke, but I'm kind of, I mean, I, I say it jokingly, but I'm very serious about this. Outside of Christ, my top three greatest sacrificers, hands down. Number two, Jesus being number one, number two for me is Judas. Because I don't believe, I believe, I don't believe he was fairly represented in the Bible. And if he doesn't do what he does, if he doesn't do what he does, does Christ get crucified? Do they come for him? So it begs the question, is something left out because we need a bad guy? So is it left out that Jesus asked him? We don't know, you know, we, and we just don't. And the problem is, is that we're so, because of where we're at and how we see the world, it's so easy if you start the conversation with, well, I'll tell you what, ladies got a bad rap in the Bible, didn't they? Well, <laughs> ask that question in 1985, right? When we're at our Assembly of God mm-hmm. Church, Joy. Mm-hmm. At, let's ask that question. Let's right. see what happens. Right. People will laugh right. you out of the room, right? Right. right. They go, <laughs> right. ladies, those rascals. They right. just get they just get <laughs> pregnant and get in the way. 
and there wasn't running water, right. they weren't doing dishes. You know, that's the, but that was right. the attitude. And so it makes right. me ask the question, but it's funny because you ask those questions and, and you do that and the church of today, they just push you out. They just get rid of you. And I guess I wonder, you know, is when is the, or maybe, maybe it's just, you know, when is the church going to be bold again? And bold in the way of not just being arrogant assholes, but bold, like asking questions bold. <laughs> right. And right. not having to have. Well, again, I think. Right. Well, listen, you know, as well as I do, because we study the same things in the same places um, and we work in and we function in organizational like spaces. Organizations are going <laughs> to. <laughs> but organizations are going like to do everything they possibly can. Well, we do, but we did. We studied that. I can guarantee I can find the, I can find the, there's a photograph someplace. I can find a record that we studied in the same place. And, and, and <laughs> Doctor, guy who talks. Doctor, <laughs> guy who talks. Um, I could probably, uh, um, um, well, we'll compare investment portfolios when this is over and <laughs> property ownership and we'll see who made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. Touche. Um, yeah. Uh, organizations are going to do everything they can to perpetuate the organization. Mm. They're going to, that, because organi that's what organizations do, they're self sustaining entities. But the organization is dependent on the people who make up the organization. So again, I would say to you, it's time for a reformation, right? That mm -hmm. the, 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 the Roman Catholic Church was the Church of Jesus Christ for the better part of the first century. Um, but it's not anymore, right? It's not anymore because somebody said enough, enough was enough. Um, now that doesn't let Luther and Calvin and all those guys off the hook because they were racist and anti-Semitic and, and other such things. So again, we got to ask ourselves some of these challenging questions, right? We got to, we got to go back and say, wait a minute. It's not just enough to say, well, we reject this one thing and now we accept this, this other thing. Um, but we have to stop just playing along all the time for, for the sake of the organization because sometimes what the organization needs is reformation. And, and you are correct. Um, we don't get to resurrection without death. And so perhaps the church in its present form needs to die. I, I'm open to that construct that perhaps we, um, the CEO model of leadership, the, the splintering of denominations, you know, uh, listen, I'm open to that sort of discussion but there has to be resurrection yeah. because without resurrection, there is salvation. And, and so um, again, I'm, I, I'm not defending the organization and the, and the, and the institution as, as in and of itself, the entity that must be saved, but Jesus said he was going to build his church and you and I are that, I mean, if there's anything we've learned in this pandemic, it's that it's not about buildings. It's not about, spaces it's not about number of seats it's not about any of those things it's how do we figure out how to gather together you know the fastest growing church in the world is in iran it is underground and it is led by women do you know i think 
I firmly believe, and I will challenge anyone on this, that the least Christian country in the world is America. What's the first thing we ask our kids? What's the first thing we ask our kids to do when they go to school? Pledge allegiance to the flag. What's the first thing God asks you to do? No other gods before me. And yet, where do we pledge our allegiance? Where do we put our faith? In the flawed people that we're not supposed to. I mean, it is literally laid out. I mean, Mm -hmm. the Bible's pretty clear about this, right? Don't put gods before me, right? right? Don't do that. That's a a no-no. Hey, um, these actions that you're going to do, you know, no, you can't do them. Don't. And then you look at how you're supposed to raise your kids and you simply just, you just look at the, the raw material actions of who we are, where we put our focus. Don't rely on men, rely on me. Let's put all our faith in men. In fact, to a point that we'll fight each other over the value of the man that we think that, that, that has the greater value because of a letter next to them, right? All the things we're told not to do. We do them all here under the right. banner of God. I mean, right. I don't, I don't know any other place that could be more grossly duplicitous. But that should also give us just a little bit of comfort in the (laughs) idea that we're just doing exactly what the disciples did, right? The disciples had Jesus literally in front of them and they didn't recognize who they, who who he was because they were looking for a political leader who was going to overthrow the oppressive Roman government. And, And they were looking for somebody who was going to rescue them and establish a kingdom and, and even Jesus kept saying to them over and over again, my kingdom's different. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is an upside down kingdom where the last is first and the first is last. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really great, Jesus. Except that we, when are you going to take down Caesar so that we mm-hmm. can have, we can be the ones in power. And we're just recreating that. Every time I hear this heretical nonsense about the seven mountain dominionism, if Christians just took over each one of these areas of culture, then then Jesus would come back. I'm like, you could not create a scenario by which Jesus would stay away longer than by determining we needed some sort of theocracy on earth. Jesus is going to say that I'm not touching with a 10 foot pole yeah. because the, the church and the people of Christ thrive when there is opposition and persecution because we were never meant to rule. We were never yeah. meant to rule. We were meant to be the suffering servant, because that's the example that Jesus gave to us. And until we get that through our minds, which by the way, like, I'm not, I, I mean, it's easy for me to sit here in my cushy townhouse in Orange County, California and rant and rave about how I should be somebody else's servant. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I want a house to live in. I want a car to drive. I want, um, you know, a salary to, to be provided for me. And at any moment of opposition, I want to claim persecution, right? Because that, that, that I want, I think I have a right to all of these things. But the truth of the matter is, is that if I actually listen to the savior that I follow, I would, I would sell all of those things, give the money to the poor and, and, and give myself to people for free in an effort to be able to show them the love of Jesus. And, and so I, I, you know, I, I, it's easy for me to pontificate about, uh, pontificate about some of this stuff, but the truth of the matter is, is that I'm constantly having to navigate that as well. I don't want to go live in Iran so I can be part of the fastest growing church in the world. Right. Yeah. But, 
but we've got to stop thinking that that our way of of doing things is the only way of doing things because we're at, we're we're losing that battle while this underground church in Iran is thriving in the worst conditions possible because it's upside down. Well, it's up. It's also it's just there's the church in some capacity. It's just kind of gross. I mean, it just you know it's. I mean, it, this is a funny funny joke to me, but it's really sad, right? Uh, you know, uh, we wouldn't be having this border problem right now if Joel Olstein was our president because he just wouldn't let anyone in. In reference to him locking his church so that no one could get in when the floods were happening in Houston. You know, and and you tell you tell that in a bar, and I'll tell you what, Joy, you'll have the whole place laughing. Right. But you tell it to someone of faith, and they're like, "Yeah, that's embarrassing." Well, it's only embarrassing because that one got highlighted. Right. It's, you know, it's, I just, yeah, I, I look at it. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like it needs a revolution. It needs a change because it's just gross. It, it is, it's, it's a way to make money now. And if you're good, I mean, I had a pastor friend of mine talk to me and he goes, the, the church down the street, they've been caught lying. The, you know, the wife went out on the husband a couple of times. They finally just got divorced. And they've got, they just, I mean, they've got new property. They just built a whole new church and they're growing at, a, at an accelerated pace. I mean, like a rocket ship. They're turning people away at the door. It's like the old Rock Harbor days. And he's got this tiny little church, and, you know, and he's down. He knows when he's down two people in the audience, right? He knows. And he's just, and I said, so what are you going to do? And I loved his answer. He's like, I'm just going to keep doing me because if God only wants me to talk to 10 people, then that's who I talk to. I don't care. I go, he goes, I just think it's weird. Yes. Yeah, so, but, but see this, that, I think that's, so I'm going to push back on you a little Please, bit. Push back on about, about, about the state of the church. Because here's, here's the thing that I, so here's what I see working with churches. Okay. So the vast majority of churches in the United States, that's, that's what I can talk about, are 250 people or less. And I think both in the terms of who we elevate and we accolade mm -hmm. and who we criticize and who we take down are the, are the flashy in our faces, um, celebrity folks who get the attention. Sure. Okay. You know, who needs to get the attention that faithful pastor who is serving their people in their community week after week after week, who gets zero attention, who's barely making ends meet, who's bivocational because they're just trying to feed their family, who's, who's constantly criticized because the message isn't the way that they thought it was gonna be, but they show up week after week and they love people and they serve people. And right. I can tell you that those exist because, because that, that I, I will say, I will brag every day on the people who lead the church that I belong to, because that's who they are. And I think there are more like them. I just think we don't know about them. And that's a problem. <laughs> we need to know about them. I'll tell you what, and I'm, if this is going to people think, think it's a joke. If the Hallmark Channel was going to have a reality TV show, that would be it. And I'll tell you what, that would actually be a cool show to watch, right? If you, if you open it up the right way, Private Jet, you know, who was that guy who was asking for, you know, 50 million more dollars because he needed the G6 because the G5 or no, the G8 because the G4 was just too slow, son. <sighs> got to get it, got to get, got to get going, you know? And so if you had, you know, an intro like that and then it shows 
you know, a pastor in Townsend, Montana, population 900 people. You know, 80% of his, the people that show up are 65 and older. And he's calling other churches to get food donations so that he can eat and his family can eat. Mm -hmm. You know, That's right. those, if you highlighted those people, I mean, I, I you know, that, that at least it shows the conviction of the heart, right? You know, no, the right. person That's who right. makes a hundred million dollars selling a self-help book doesn't have, I don't believe the same conviction for self-help or helping others as the teacher in small town, North Dakota, anywhere that's making maybe $15,000 right. a year, right? And, and right. driving to farms right. on the weekend, not for money, but because that kid just needs a little more help. Yeah. That's right, that's exactly right. But, but that's the church. Like, so that's where I'll push back and I'll defend the church all day because that's the church. That's the beautiful bride. That is not the whore of Babylon that, that gets presented to us and gets represented to us in the things that we see. And, and, I, and I'm using that term incorrectly, by the way, so for everybody who's going to be heresy hunters later, there's another whore of Babylon. I get called the whore of Babylon three or four times a week. So let me tell you about how I know that they're using that wrong. But, but that's, but that's what that, that's what I'd like to see. I, I'm, I'm tired of, I, I don't want to go to another conference and see somebody who's got the most giving, the fastest growing congregation. Those are, I want somebody to put up the, the person who has been the most faithful. They have been at this church in small town, Alabama for 40 some odd years. They have raised a family and they have put people, um, you know, through college out of their church. I, let's, I, I want to start seeing that because and this is where I got to get where I got to be careful, because here's the thing that is going to happen. That is going to happen that 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 lady who's been pastoring that church since the beginning of time, there's going to come a day because the kingdom of God is upside down. The kingdom of God is upside down. And while do we're you, standing over here. Do you think so? I mean, I would listen, I would hope so, but I'm heartbroken more and more every day because you go to churches and you know what used to be royal rangers and and potlucks is now the most giving is now who raised the most money for you know it is now the the game show the gamification of it uh, of all of it you know I mean, it's like and, and I'll, I'll wrap it to this i want to turn this back over to you but you know it's like i remember before COVID hit there the church i was attending played a video and it was virtual reality church. You don't have to be challenged anymore. You can just find the one that fits you, right? And they just made fun of people who watch church on TV only, you know, and don't engage, don't have community, whatever it may be, right? And then COVID comes, you know what? And guess what this pastor does? He shuts his church down. And my gentle pushback to him was, I get that you can't have it where you're used to because you rented that building and they say no. You didn't open up, I didn't see you open up your house once. I go, people, you know, people die of cancer and heart disease and diabetes, and you pray for all those things at your church. But this one, you can't pray away. You know, this one's not worth the risk. I mean, and, and I'm not saying COVID's not real, folks. I'm just saying when you come at me hard in the paint on faith, and then a challenge of faith comes, 
and you, you know what, I'm just going to rely on the government. That's okay. But then you can't talk to me about faith anymore. There's not a rat. I get the rationalization of, of, of not wanting to get someone sick. And I understand that. And I'm not saying that people should have gotten together in big groups. What I'm saying is the church could have handled it differently. And they could have instantly gone into protection of people mode. How are you gathering food? What are you doing? Da, da, da. You know, they, they could have still done church stuff. It might not have been choir and on the knees, but they still, and instead they just waited for that stimulus check and just watched the government do things. And it was gross to me. So I think we need to tell a better story because I think, um, yes, I saw those situations. So I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with you that they existed. But I also know that week after week after week, the message of we're choosing to do these things because we love our neighbor, right? It's not an acquiescence to government. I would dare any health department official to come into the spaces where we were, where we were moving from week to week, whether it was online or in our homes or, or uh, outside. We met outside for you know several weeks, um, because I think those things were also happening again it's just it's just easier to point out the ones that 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 where where the if it bleeds it leads right it's just yeah. easier to it's easier to look at those things when when i think honestly jason i think the vast majority of especially local church communities um were doing exactly what what you said they they just didn't get any attention for it and, and honestly, like, it's okay that they didn't get attention for it because they weren't doing it to get attention. Look mm -hmm. at us serving our neighbors. Look at us, you know, th those, th that doesn't translate into easy uh, Instagram, <laughs> um, uh, you know, sexiness. But, but I work with pastors every single day in, in my work. And I can tell you that, that the vast majority that I worked with, um, worked harder than they've ever worked before, served more people than they've ever served before, turned their churches into blood drive locations and um, plasma locations for convalescent plasma and, um, and, and, and things like that. And, and I think we have to, um, I think we have to be careful because, listen, Fox News and MSNBC disciple our people way more than any church is ever going to be able to because True. Um, our pastors and our churches have those folks maybe one hour a week but these other things have are captivate our people 24 hours a day seven days a week I mean I I know people for whom the Fox News goes on in the morning and it doesn't go off until bedtime and it's on a you know a continuous loop you can't compete against that yeah right you can't compete against that that level of discipleship but I but I but I will push back and say that I think it's unfair that um, that will judge the church universal by by the worst that we've seen because um, because I just know it's not true. Is it is it that we'll judge them, or is it that we 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 should hold them to a higher standard? Listen, I I think there's some accountability that needs to happen on those other sides of things, but mm -hmm. I think we have to also make sure we're seeing the, again, that we're seeing the faithful. It's not the exceptional. We're just seeing the faithful. 
Um, how come and, churches don't do and that? And they exist. And how come, how come churches don't do that, Joy? How I'm say it again. Churches? How come churches don't acknowledge the faithful? Acknowledge the, you know, even just, you know, you'll break, you remember in the, in the, we're 80s kids, right? I'm 70s and going into the 80s. You're 80s, you're young. But I mean, I remember missionaries used to come in. Missionaries would roll in, you'd hear yeah. their story. But now we've got technology yep. like Zoom and FaceTime and everyone's got a projector, right? <laughs> in the 80s, not every church had a projector. Now everyone's got them. And it's hilarious to me. I mean, like this, this idea, I love it. Like I would go back to church. I would, I'd go back if uh, I knew that part of the service was going to be celebrating some little church in the middle of nowhere that's struggling, right? And that's just mm. having a hard time. Like if we... If that was there, I would go back for that because I love to road trip. And because I'm such a big road trip person, mm -hmm. if I was on my way and it was a hundred miles out of the way, I would drive to that church. I'd probably put 50 bucks in the offering plate and uh, give a little give a little nod to the good Lord above and then keep driving. If the pastor's there, I'd just shake their hand and say, you're doing the Lord's work. Uh, God bless you. Can I buy you lunch? Mm -hmm. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. How yeah. do we get that started? Yeah. We've all got the technology. It's no longer is technology an issue. Now it's effort, right? Oh, there's that word. Hey, listen, oh. there, there's, oh, there's, there's, I think, your new, <laughs> there's I think your new, uh, your new marketing effort, Jay, is to, is to get inside these churches and, and to celebrate them. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, again, I, you know, um, I, I have enough connections in the church world and, and people that I work with, you can ask my friends who um, who work at the national offices of the Assemblies of God, right? I've got a reputation for the for the pushback that I give in some of these. In some of the, and this is where I'm going to come back at you with some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I know where your heart and your love for 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 Jesus and the and, and the people of Jesus is, is there, because it, we would not gripe and complain about these things if we did not have a love and a passion for it if it, if it really didn't matter to us we we would just walk away because if, if it was just about the social club right if it was just the kiwanis or the 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 moose club or the whatever you know um service uh slash um social organization it was if, if we got ticked off that much about it we'd just walk away because there's another social club to go to right mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is, so you asked me why I stay. So one of the reasons why I stay is because I love this beautiful body of people so deeply that in the midst of, of their grossness, to use your word, because man, I got, some, I got plenty of gross to go around. They're worth redemption. The church is worth redemption. And I believe that redemption is happening every single solitary day in spaces we will never see. Um, and I'm willing to take a chance on her for that. I like that. I like that. That's beautiful. That's really well done. See folks, doctor, talkie guy. Okay. <laughs> Smart person, Jason. Listen, they're, they can both live, they can both be in the same space and heads don't explode. It's fine, folks. Listen, get educated. That's the whole point. I, I told the person that I go, the, the greatest expense of a free country is education and we don't invest in our education. So that's where we're at today. 
you know, and it, it blows my mind whether it's whether it's church or politics, both have one thing in common. They don't like education. I don't get it with church. Yeah. I just don't, you yeah. know, <laughs> keep them dumb, you know. Well, Faith listen, an, listen an, educated, an educated populace, um, you know, uh, you want to know what college taught me? Because <laughs> this is another place because we share this, right? Yes. College taught me to ask the why, the why question, right? Which was like, that was the greatest thing ever that was, that was given to me was because I've been asking the why question since I was a little girl, right? I'm that toddler it's like, why, 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 why? And then I got to college and somebody said, this is what you should do for the rest of your life. And, and, and so that's it. Like, man, I love being an agitator in those spaces. I love being able to say, I want you to tell me why this is. Mm -hmm. And if you can't tell me why this is, then we've, then we've got to let, but, but that's dangerous, right? It, it is a whole lot easier for me. And I, I can, and I can say this because I get asked to do it. It's a whole lot easier for me to get up and stand in front of a crowd and claim that I speak for God than it is for me to say, I, I don't have an explanation for why this occurs. All I know is that it grieves the heart of God and we have to find a way to do better. That, it, it's it's just that a lot is, easier for me. But that explanation is honestly the difference between faith and a cult, right? A cult says, yeah, I'm, I'm the voice. I'm the mouthpiece, all right? I just am. So if you don't believe me, that's fine. But then you're just rejecting God. You're not rejecting me. It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. So I, it's up to you. And if you're lacking faith, then that's not something I can help you with because you don't even believe God's talking through me. So, and that's the easiest part, let alone what's yeah, in the, the you know? Yeah, to test an organization, find out what happens when you want to get out, right? Like yeah. that's that's the test, right? Find out what happens when you want to get out. Um, exactly. And 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 the one thing I can say is that most of the churches I've I've left in my life, they didn't care, <laughs> you know. And so that's where I'll say that's why they're not a cult because they let you out, um, yeah. and and they didn't care that I left. Um, um, but but I also would say is 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 also figure out what it means to stay mm -hmm. right figure out what it means to to stay in those spaces and and you know we got to count the cost because yeah. everything you, costs. Yeah. you uh, uh probably about six months ago uh you know or maybe maybe it was a little longer you uh you put on your facebook you're you know hey if you're gonna be negative just don't do it here i i don't i i don't want any of that you know um and uh, the cheesy question is, is what drove you to that? But I think the better question is, the one that I want to ask you is, is how's that been going in a world of academia, in a world of, of faith? <laughs> How, you know, what's the advice you can yeah, give to help stay away from the negativity? Yeah. The, you know, the, so the so the point that I got to, um, I was a debater. I love a good argument. I love a good, challenging discussion. You do not have to agree with me. In fact, I would love it if you would push back on me on some things. So it wasn't just a, a sense of negative. Um, I knew what it was 
to not be able to escape. And the realization that came in the light bulb <laughs> over my head was that I am a grown up and I don't have to be subject to this on my own page on a free platform that none of us have a right to, right? <laughs> and so like, I, you want to push back, you want to have a dinner with me, you want to, that's fine, I'm open to that all day long. But if, if the only thing you have to do to put them down, to degrade them for the choices that they're making, and, and notice I'm not telling anybody which direction that was. I, I just thought, we don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to negotiate and navigate through this. And, and so I just said, I'm, I'm done, unless you want to constructively talk about an issue, unless you want to, but if you're going to, um, because I was spending so much time sort of trying to negotiate relationships with people like, hey, I mean, you can post on my page if you want to, but um, you know, be nice to my friend here or, you know, those sorts of things. Um, the funny part was, is then people were somehow sort of offended by that, like, well, I mean, how, how dare you demand that people, you know, behave themselves? And I just thought, and, and be degrading, and I don't have to put up with that. And I don't have to engage in this, in this space. So I've, I've pulled back from certain platforms mm -hmm. because they're just no longer productive. Um, I've engaged more in other platforms because they're more productive. Um, but that's, I think that's the, that was the beauty. And so I would say that about your physical space. Like if you're a grown up and you can, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Don't, don't, don't put up with it. Hang out amongst people, not, not just like-minded people who are going to feed you what you want to hear, but people who are going to be decent, people who are going to be respectful, people who are, you know, like the things that I post. I don't owe you anything. I, I don't have, you know, what, what, what I, I want to make sure that I'm doing is offering kindness and charity and, and grace and, and those sorts of things. But at the same time, like what, you're not going to vote me like most successful in the class at a class reunion. If I tell you, you can't come on my Facebook page anymore. Like, no, it was, it was actually very liberating for me in a lot of ways. And, and I think I probably used to believe I had a responsibility to all of these people, but, but the truth of the matter is, is, is that I, I don't, I don't owe them anything. Um, and they don't owe me, you know? And so like, I don't have to, there's no rule that says I have to engage in these, in these spaces. I think it's been much healthier um, for me in a, in a lot of ways. And yet, you know, I will also say like so much as good has come from those spaces too. Like I just did a training with an amazing group of people today that I've only met via online relationships. Right. So I don't want to, again, I'm, I, I'm not a baby with the bathwater kind of person, but, um, but man, I just got to be a grown up who said like, you don't want to, you don't want to play nice in the sandbox. Go, go find your own sandbox to play in. Um, <laughs> it was pretty great to be honest.
Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's very it's very cool. Uh, you know, I've, I found myself, especially during COVID, a couple of times getting a little fired up. I get a little fired up at our mayor. We'll pop off at him in Austin. I bust his chops because you know. But I'm I'm equal opportunist. You know, I busted Ted Cruz's chops as well. I just, but you know, I was reminded knowing that we were going to talk. I was reminded of 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 that post and how I need to be a little smarter uh, and and take a break from social and you know, kind of post and ghost, right? Like get back to my movie stuff, get back to a picture of a beer and then call it a day and then just walk away and just get out, you know, stop. Because it just, it is very interesting. You know, the difference between like us and the kids these days in this movie, I mean, my goodness, man. Could you imagine put, yeah, legally right. if you could put Yeah, because we just, we... I mean, if you could just put them, just throw them into a library for a whole day. No electronics, mom and dad can't check in on them. Yeah, right? Freak out, get sued. And, you know, so it's- <laughs> and, the and the parents would be the worst people. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, put them in detention on the other side, in the gym where they can plot my death. Right. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. But we need that. You need to just unplug and get away, you know? It's good. It's good. It's good for the soul. It's, it's you know, I, I don't think kids yeah, understand right. that. Well, and here's the thing, like if what we've, well, and I think one of the things we've learned about these mediums is that whatever the anonymity that is about the screen, we say and do things and we engage in ways we would never do. If we were that group of kids sitting in the library on in detention on a Saturday, we would not, they would not communicate with each other the way, the way that that same group of people communicate online. And we've just got to start remembering those things because this online space is, while corporately owned, the new public square, right? It, it is the space where we work out our stuff. But if we can't figure out a way to work it out better, we're not going to walk away with the letter to the administrator, right? We're going to, we're going to, burn the high school down with all of us in it. Um, and, and it's not going to be the revolution we thought we were starting. It's, it's going to be suicide. And, you know, it just wasn't worth it to me anymore. I love these people too much to continue to, to stay in this space with them. What, um, what, uh, what's your next book going to be about joy? <laughs> um, so there's a couple of things kind of coming down the pipeline. I'm, I'm in some discussions um, with some folks about where to go next. Uh, so there's, there's two things, two ideas that are brewing. One, um, to, to take the gender and religion discussion out of the first book that I wrote and write a book on how we talk about things matter uh, and the way we engage in effective uh, rhetoric and communication. Um, and then uh, there's also potential for a book in the works on healthy grieving. So I've walked through a grief journey the last year and a half after the sudden death of my mom. And um, I used Instagram in particular as the way to sort of work through that. I live my life out loud. And so I lived my grief out loud. Um, and some publishers have taken some potential interest in converting that into perhaps a, a small book. Wow. Wow. What is... Um... What is it when, you know, you've got a, you've got a couple of kids, 
when you're looking back on life and you're uh, kind of taking a breath and you want them, you know, whether it's a sudden death or a slow pass, whatever it may be, you know, what's, what, what are a couple of takeaways you want, you want, you want them to take away? From me or from, from the world that we're leaving them? <laughs> uh, let's go, let's go from you. We'll have, we have a hard time controlling the rest. You know, I want them, I want, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I want them, um, I want them to think that their mom left the world a, a better place than she found it. Um, that I worked hard, that I tried to do the right thing that I loved their dad more than I loved them, <laughs> um, which meant that I loved them a whole lot because um, I had my relationships in good priority order. Um, and that everything that I do is for them because I want the world that they inherit to be that better place. I mean, the world we inherited is pretty great, even as awful as it is, but I want to leave it even better for my kids. Um, and I hope my kids see Jesus. I, I hope that at the end of the day, that that's what they'll say is that she was able to leave the world a better place that she did because, because she loved Jesus and she trusted him more than all of these institutions and, <laughs> and organizations combined. What, um, when you, when you look back on your life, what are, what are two things maybe you wish you would have done a little different? And what are two things that you're like, even though it might've been a mess up that you're like, yes, cause I'm here now. <laughs> yeah. So those things are one in the same. Um, so if I could do anything over again, I wouldn't take out the student loans um, that I had taken because I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I, like I said, I was a, I was a welfare kid um, and had all the financial aid in the world. But when it came to graduate school, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I signed a lot of documents I shouldn't have signed. So I, I would take out fewer student loans. Um, but on the same breath, every dollar of those loans has been worth it because I get to like this is my life. I get to come on podcasts. I get to be a student for the rest of my life. I get to work with college students who keep me young. I get to, um, I get to ask these really hard questions. Like what is this world that I live in that I get to do these things and, and be surrounded by these amazing people. And, and I get to talk to friends I've known for 20 years about all of this cool stuff, right? Like, what is that? So if, if, if the $180,000 in student loans I have um, gives me all of that, it was, it was worth the rest of my life. It's going to take me to pay those off. So. I love it. I love it. All right. Before we, we go here and everyone listens to my daughter singing about the first time she took a poop by herself. Uh, Joy, take us, you know, just, <laughs> I know, right? There's a slight delay here, but take it, take us through real quick, just the church and politics. What's your prayer? What's your hope for America? You know, uh, as there still seems to be some disconnect, what's your hope and what's your prayer? And then once again, 
where can people find you on social? Where can they buy your book? And then how, you know, how they can follow what you're doing if they're struggling with grieving or anything else. Sure. So my hope and my prayer for the church um, is that she would remember who she is, um, that she is the bride of Christ. She is um, this beautiful, flawed, um, amazing entity. And as a result of that, would live into that and lean into that um, flawed beauty. My hope for America is if we really want to be that quote unquote Christian nation that, that we sometimes claim that we are, that we would confess our sins and repent of those sins because the only way to redemption is through confession and repentance. Um, if we want to be exceptional, like we claim that we are, that's what it's going to take. And it's a lot harder for nations to do that. Um, but yeah, I think I want the church to be who she is, regardless of what America is. And I want America to learn from the lessons of the church and, and confess and repent. That's what I would, that's what I would hope for us. Uh, where to find me, um, I, I'm on uh, one of one of the other podcasts I listen to. The host says she's embarrassed. I'm on all of the things. Uh, my handle on Instagram and Twitter is at Madam Speaker. It's M A D A M S P E A K E R. It's not Nancy Pelosi, um, although I'm telling you, Speaker Nancy, if you would like to buy my handle, we can we can negotiate um, something. Uh, I always know when Nancy's done something big because people, my, my mentions blow up. Um, and then I am on Facebook at Joy Andrick Qualls um, because that's how my high school friends find me is by my maiden name. Um, those, that's it. That's, that's where I'm at. Um, and then I have a website, joyqualls.com. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Joy, thank you so much uh, for those listening. You know, uh, thank you all for, for being here, for, for listening. Uh, Joy, thanks again. I mean, just, it means a lot to me when, anytime I get to have a, a friend on and chat, especially, and just to listen to you talk about these things because you, you have a, a resounding calmness and eloquence that also breeds conviction, which are, are three rare things, right? Usually conviction doesn't come with calmness and, and eloquence, especially in the church, which is a little fear-based. The pastor's a little shorter, but he's got great hair and he sweats a lot. <laughs> just how it works. I don't know why, it's just science. But thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on and, and, and being a part of this. Um, and yeah, listen, folks, talking during movies, man, I wish I had more to say. I'm just, I'm always, I'm always honored and humbled, you know, that people will be like, oh, you really like that guest because your, your closeout wasn't as strong and kind of staggered through. And it's like, yeah, man, because I learn stuff. And when I learn stuff, I'm always having fun. And that's, that's the best part. So with that said, Joy, thank you. Have a wonderful evening. Uh, enjoy crunching the numbers. That's the one and then the two. Uh, give yourself a good budget. And thank you again for all that you do. Uh, give my best to your family. And we'll talk soon, my friend. That's good. Thanks, Jason. Love thank you. you. Love you too. Bye-bye.
Thank you.